the air. Every time I turn off the air, I feel like I'm going to die. So I'm I'm just going to I'm going to hope that this build that the room like holds up long enough that, that we can be like, okay, we've recorded for two hours. I can turn the fucking air back on. Because you know it's only like what ninety eight hundred degrees outside today. Yes, it's roughly the temperature of the surface of the sun. It's wonderful. <laughs> and it's New Jersey, so it's like 50% humidity. It's like 92% humidity. You basically walk outside and there's sharks. You're like, where the fuck did this come from? back with another <laughs> brand new micro mini absolutely tiny sewed uh, of my spooky gay family which will only be three hours long <laughs> i know it's gonna have to be we've <laughs> how long has it been since we recorded i think it's been two weeks it's like two two and a half weeks something like that yeah yeah we uh, took a little mini vacation we, we took a little sabbatical <laughs> <laughs> and literally said nothing. We weren't like, hey, guys, we're going to be away for a little bit. Uh, we just wanted to let you know. No, we were like, fuck this. We got our shit in the middle of the night. We Jackie beated it out of town. <laughs> Have I ever told you that story? No. Basically, Jackie Beat is known in Provincetown for having done something very. Uh, uh, what's what's the right word? <laughs> I, I guess iconic is the only way I can describe it. Legendary. Legendary. Because she was hired to do a show in Provincetown at one of the venues up there. And staff housing for those shows is notoriously, like, kind of grungy. So she, um, she showed up to the, the staff housing, like, the night before her show. Uh, or, you know, the week before her show, whenever she got there. And like took one look around and was like absolutely not and like in the middle of the night just like stealth snuck away and just like <laughs> didn't tell anyone didn't say anything just like disappeared in the middle of the night and never came back and now she's on unsolved mysteries <laughs> i know okay could you imagine what whatever happened to jackie beat um yeah so now they call it jackie beating it out of town nice <laughs> And that's what we did. We Jackie beaded it out of town on my spooky gay family, and we just took a little, a little unannounced sabbatical and decided we were going to come back whenever the fuck we felt like it. To be fair, Cameron did notice on Twitter. Cameron actually reached out to us. Did on he? Yeah. What did he say? He asked when we were going to drop another episode, and did I, we respond? Yes, we responded. <laughs> so, They're dead. So if you follow us on Twitter, you knew that we were taking a little break, but. That's about if you it. follow us anywhere else, you didn't <laughs> because I, I was feeling lazy and did not. And only because one of you thought to ask. I know. Although <laughs> someone last night, I think her name is Kate Oakley, uh, 
was commenting on some of our posts and was like, are you, are you alive? And I was like, yeah, we're, we're okay. We're coming back this week. Like, don't worry. And Melissa also was very happy to hear that we were coming back. Sarah line. If you're out there, I apologize sincerely. <laughs> <laughs> we are back with my spooky gay family and we will be going back to our weekly uh, schedule. And I'm very excited because I have missed uh, chatting and, and doing our, our podcasts. I've missed this too. If nothing else, I've missed having an excuse to watch Haunting of Hill House every week. So I agree. And this was a good episode to come back with because we are on episode six, Two Storms, uh, the Marvel story. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Halle Berry. She is never going to live it down. They're like, well, who can we get next? And, and Halle's like, uh, I'm still alive. And they're like, but who is going to play Storm? And she's like, guys. And they're like, I don't know who to call. <laughs> Yeah, so we are coming back. I don't think back. she felt that way about Catwoman when she, when she found out it was going to be Anne Hathaway. She was like, "Okay, fine." Like, yeah, go, yeah, go. yeah. Have at it, Queen. And literally to this day, no good Catwoman has happened since uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer. But th- that's <laughs> that, that's another story. I, you know, I miss the Julie Newmar, Eartha Kitt, and Michelle Pfeiffer days of Cat of Catwoman. I miss the Eartha Kitt days especially because Eartha Kitt like really committed to that. Like, Eartha Kitt is the fucking tea. I know. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, I'm going to purr when I talk. You're not even going to understand my lines. Like, it's going to- I'm going to shit in the litter box. This is going to be method. Uh, I'm going to Jared Leto this shit. <laughs> She's mailing people dead mice. But only the people she likes. It's a gift. <laughs> uh I, w- I would do an Eartha Kid impression, but I can't. So I, I'm very <laughs> sad to fair. say you'll all have to suffer without without my Eartha Y'all Kid impression. Y'all just have to watch Jujubee on All Stars. Did you watch it? Yes, I did. It's so good. I'm still... I, I won't give any spoilers away, but I I think Jujubee deserves a lot of recognition for what she did with Eartha Kit on yeah. uh, RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars in the Snatch Game. Jujubee just deserves the world. I, it's like, Jujubee is my favorite. I, I know. And it, so I, much. I get so torn because I think Jujubee deserves to... I think she deserves to be the all-star, personally. That's my personal opinion. I love Ms. Cracker. I love Shea Coulee. But this is Juju's third time <laughs> playing. And I'm like, we. she deserves... It's not even like a consolation prize. Like, she deserves a crown. She, she really does. If nothing else, she's made it to the end in every season she's been on. <laughs> I know. Literally, like, like top it's three every time. like her and time. Raven just, like, <laughs> sitting there going, like, okay, fine. Fuck my drag, I guess. Well, it's always her, Raven, and the winner. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it goes. Juju and always Shangela. comes in third. <laughs> and poor Shangela. And po- yeah, poor Shangela. Um, wow, we have so much to catch up on. There's so much we haven't talked about. How was your day? It was good. <laughs> Did you do good. anything special? Not really. I watched Haunting of Hill House and got ready to come over here. I mean, that's basically what I did. I watched Haunting of Hill House and cleaned my apartment because I had people over for the first time in fucking forever. Um, we uh, we also have taken up a new hobby. Is it a hobby or is it a lifestyle? <laughs> <laughs> it's basically a lifestyle, basically from the hours of 8 p.m. to 1 a.m., uh, we have started playing Star Wars Battlefront 2 on PlayStation 4, and it is fucking terrific. <laughs> <laughs> Which is hilarious since the first one was so awful. So 
bad. Because you look back on like Star Wars Battlefront, the like OG Battlefront on PlayStation 2, and that was the best game ever made for PlayStation 2, I think. And now Yeah, I can't argue with that. Then EA was like, oh, we'll we'll do it again. And then they put out <laughs> Battlefront and everyone was like, uh, guys, <laughs> what's this bullshit? This is terrible. This is Call of Duty with a Star Wars skin on it. But That's it wasn't even, thing. it was like, there was no game. It was literally just an online multiplayer situation. It was like, uh, it was like Overwatch, kind of. And I yeah, was like. And when you're running ads that say perfect for couch co-op, that would be a fucking lie. Yeah, like, there was no couch co-op. Like, Not a there was like there was one level. <laughs> there was one level where you could kill AI yeah. and that was it. And luckily they learned their lesson and fixed it for Battlefront 2 for the most part. I think there are still some improvements that could be made and if you work for EA and you're listening, please let them know that we say uh, there are improvements that could be made. Like, like they give two shits. Like, like <laughs> I know. EA is listening to this going like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> we enjoy making you suffer. Suck my big electronic dick. <laughs> um, yes, EA does notoriously love to fuck things up. So hopefully they'll get their shit together and we can uh, we can fix Battlefront by Battlefront 3. Hopefully there will be a Battlefront 3. Agreed. We'll start with that. Agreed. Um, but that's not what this <laughs> But anyway. But anyway. Um, what the hell was I talking? Oh, ha- Haunting, Haunting of Hill House. Um, so this, uh, this is a pretty famous episode. This was a very ambitious episode. It was a very ambitious episode. And it, it has like sort of it's... It's the high art episode. The sort high of art episode. The, sort of for this. It's the like metropolitan. We're, we're, we're going to do emotional drama and really long shots. <laughs> I know. this. I mean, granted, all of the episodes are very emotionally heavy. This one is particularly heavy because it is essentially the like, it's not the wake. It's like the night before the wake of Nell. Yeah. Right? Um, and my literally my first my first uh, note during this episode was they must be Irish because this wake has an open bar, <laughs> <laughs> and they do. They have like they have like a bar cart in the back of the room, and I was like, uh, guys, <laughs> this is atypical. <laughs> yeah, this is not the norm. Yeah, definitely not normal. But uh, meanwhile, Theo's walking around with a forty like. <laughs> Theo is the best part of this whole Theo episode. Theo was gold. <laughs> Theo was amazing. Especially, and I'm sure we will talk more in depth about it later, but yes. when she falls off the couch. Yes. <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> and it's funny because it's not, it is clearly not meant to be funny. Yeah, but it's hilarious. But it's hilarious it's because drunk she... drunk lesbian falling to the floor. Yeah, Theo takes a tumble. That's basically what happens. <laughs> She's like, and we will be together. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Theo. She goes, And she goes down hard. Yeah, she really did. Um, funny story, sort of like little tidbit. Apparently, um, Kate Siegel, who plays Theo, um, mm-hmm. found out she was pregnant shortly after... They filmed oh. this episode. So <laughs> she Mike, had thrown herself down so the Mike stairs. So Mike Flanagan was like, I was throwing my pregnant <clears throat> wife around a stage for like 10 minutes. <laughs> like, <laughs> do they have, did they have the child? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. No, well, that's the, exciting. she was fine. But like, <laughs> uh, what's their, do, what's their child's name? Do we know? I don't know. It, IMDb didn't get that far in depth. <laughs> IMDb they, they didn't was go just quite like, that fuck that it, far. who cares? Yeah. I didn't, <laughs> IMDb's like, there's a child. There is a child. Yeah. 
Like, <laughs> um, I've always wanted a child, and now I think I'll have one. Toast. Um, yes. So this is an. Uh, so she was drinking and throwing herself around the stage. I mean, not, I'm sure it was I'm, water. It, yeah, it was not actual alcohol. But it is kind of funny to think that she was pregnant during this because <laughs> she's literally like being thrown around like Reagan in the and Exorcist. drinking straight out of a bottle of Stoli. Straight out of the bottle, and it must have been Stoli because it sure as hell was not uh, double cross. Um, yes. So we are at Nell's pre, like the pre viewing. Yeah, I guess it's I guess it's a viewing. Yeah, it's it's just for the family. It's a viewing <clears throat> wake funeral. I don't I'm not sure exactly what the what the hierarchy <laughs> of memorial services is. Yeah, I I don't really know myself, but uh I I don't know what you would call just like the personal family viewing. I think it's I think it's just the viewing. The viewing? I, I think always we'll, thought a viewing we'll was the that. wake. I don't think they're the same thing though. Because I think the wake is also open to, like, other people who are not the immediate family. The mm. viewing is generally just the immediate family. I have no context for this. You're the you're the, the hobby mortician. I'm not a hobby mortician. <laughs> oh, my God. That'll get me arrested. <laughs> she doesn't practice. That's not a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> and where do you find your customers? Uh... It's not like getting your hair cut at the beautician school, okay? You, <laughs> you, you can't just buy a head yeah. on Amazon to practice on. Um, yes, yeah, so we are at Nell's at Nell's viewing slash wake slash everyone's just having a party, and mostly Theo. Mostly Theo <laughs> is having a party, and she. But to be fair, she does say, uh, and this is literally a quote that I wrote down. I'm drinking every time I feel like punching something, <laughs> which is why she gets fucking wasted. Yeah, she never during the entire course of this episode does not have alcohol in her hand at, at or any her point. mouth. Yeah, even while she's talking to Shirley about yes. <laughs> about very important things, she's like drooling. <laughs> she's like, blah, 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 blah. she's like, stop drinking for two seconds and talk mm-hmm. to me. Um, yes. So Theo and. Stephen are drinking heavily during yes. this episode. And that does become relevant later on when when Hugh shows up. But basically, it's the first time we have all the kids in the same place. Uh, right? This is the yeah, first time everyone's adults. in the same place yeah. as adults. And, uh, well, that's not a flashback. To, yeah. Um, and so everyone's finally in the room together, including Nell, who is dead. And um, <laughs> that is relevant later. It, to be it, it is relevant. Yes. They're all kind of slowly coping with the fact that Nell is in the room dead. Um, I would argue they're slowly not coping well at all. With well, the fact that and, and, I, and I made a note about that. Don't you worry. Um, because I said this is uh, this is actually kind of a perfect depiction of families reacting to stress because you have like. Everyone kind of like getting drunk and yelling and crying and being sad and then being angry. And then it's like, and then also looking doing for someone of, to blame. Yeah. And also kind of randomly doing funny stuff, even though it's not supposed to be funny. Yeah. I do think that there was kind of a lack of humor. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting because, I, I mean, apart from Theo falling on the floor. Well, <laughs> there was a lack of intentional humor, yes. I should say. Usually, especially in our family, I have found when we are coping with uh, with uh, death, 
there's always like the one person who's like walking around making jokes yeah. the whole time and it's usually you and I. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and Bob and Kevin do this as well. We we all have been kind of notorious <laughs> for having a dark sense of humor. Okay. So there is one funeral home that <laughs> Our family has used pretty much exclusively for all the deaths in our family. And yeah. I'm pretty sure the staff there thinks that I'm some kind of soulless monster. <laughs> because, <laughs> because I make jokes like nonstop the second I step into their building. Yeah. And like they must think that there is something fucking wrong with me, that I lack all human feelings. <laughs> because like I'm standing 10 feet from my dead grandmother and cracking jokes like rapid fire at one a minute. But it's a coping mechanism. And that's why, like, it kind of surprised me that there wasn't more of that in this episode. I would have thought that the Cranes would have a dark sense of humor. Well, maybe they're not Irish then, because that is apparently a very Irish thing. And uh, Yeah. Well, it's yeah. to crack jokes at the expense of the dead. Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess that is, I guess that's fair. Because our family, again, has always been kind of notorious for that. Uh I'm curious if other people have that as well. If you're listening and your family has coped with with uh, loss or death uh, through humor, I would love to hear the stories about it because literally every funeral I've ever been to, I'm cracking jokes. <laughs> because how else do you relieve that tension? You have to like You have to let it out mood. somehow. Like, <clears throat> and... None of us are really big criers. No. Like, none of us burst into tears. So, instead, we burst into jokes. Yeah. So <laughs> that's basically what we do. It's like, <laughs> my options are to laugh or to cry, so I'm going to do this, like, completely socially inappropriate thing. Because <laughs> I can't be expected to handle this the way I'm expected to. They're like, we're going to start the eulogy. Sam, if you could please stop doing the opening number to 42nd Street. <laughs> Sam says she's like, come and meet these dancing feet. Uh, yes. So that that is how our family copes with loss. And that, again, it's, it's like. exactly why I'm glad I'm not a funeral director. Because, like, I would be the world's worst funeral director. <laughs> be like, oh, your mom's dead. That's hilarious. And what is your favorite dance production number? <laughs> if you could pick one stand-up comic to open your mother's wake, who would you pick? tough crowd um <laughs> yes so we are we are at Nell's wake and everyone is very sad especially Luke who who cannot really cope with it and then Steve has that weird moment where he's like he's like come on you can do it you can do it and then he's like oh, I can't and like literally on the it's like someone flipped a switch in Steve's brain he's like Luke come here you can do this and Luke's like okay I'm doing okay and Steve's like oh, I'm not oh god and he just like has this like breakdown and then they start telling like childhood stories but again this is I think where our family differs from a lot of other families because our family in that situation would be telling funny stories like I remember when grandpa died we were, he was literally being carried out of the house <laughs> and we were all sitting at the table, like telling funny stories about grandpa. And I think it was like the relief of, of tension. Like it had been a very long week. He had been in hospice and we were all just kind of like telling these like great, like funny memories we had of grandpa. And 
the the again the people from this funeral home must have thought that we were fucking nuts because we were all sitting at the table like laughing and carrying on but it was kind of this it was this coping mechanism i'm sure and i would have loved to have seen that in this family to see because they've been through hell like how do you cope with hell yeah at least one person like and i think the closest anyone comes is theo who's being is, theo. is being sarcastic kind of the entire time yeah but it's still very dark and i understand why because i mean obviously but i would have loved to have seen theo crack a few jokes I mean, I do think that some of it is also because of how Nell died. Like, it's a well, very yeah. different thing when you're dealing with someone who they believe committed suicide. Well, everybody but Luke and Hugh, anyway. <laughs> um. <laughs> and Steve does not like Steve it. Steve does not like it at all. Thank you. Good day, sir. <laughs> he is not here for it. I also love that when Steve is, like, having his moment where he's like, I need a drink. And he goes and has <laughs> his drink. And then he turns around and he's like, Nell mom okay yeah <laughs> and then she and then keeps turns back to the drink and then turns back <laughs> i know and it's like are you uh, have you watched a horror movie you know not to do that don't take your eyes off the ghost they will only get closer <laughs> i know it's like you know better you write horror novels stop it <laughs> um I, that was my one note. It just says mom's here. <laughs> <laughs> one thing, though, I want to give props to the actor, though, because, like, he does this little, like, almost indecipherable look down to the drink. <laughs> like, like, am I just like, drunk? Like, am I just drunk already? And he hasn't had any yet. <laughs> so, like, I just want to give props to the actor because that was, like, a little funny moment, kind of, because he just kind of looks down, like, could I possibly be drunk already? I haven't even, like... And what am I drinking? Yeah, like, this uh, is paint thinner. Theo gave me paint thinner. <laughs> Theo's, Theo's in, the, in the fucking corner with jungle juice. My next note is also very important. Kevin, Shirley's husband, yeah. just keeps getting everyone food. Yeah. And I said, I like Kevin's coping mechanism. I like Kevin's coping mechanism, too. He's like, can I get you something to drink? Can I get you something to eat? We I have know. so much food. And I, I literally wrote, I like Kevin's coping mechanism. I would like a sandwich. A whole <laughs> sandwich. <laughs> An Beca entire sandwich. Because in this family, apparently, we can get away with just eating halves. And that's just not going to cut it. Well, I mean, look at them. There is not a single person in this family that's, like, above a size two. I know. It's like there's there's probably a reason for that. I should probably only be eating halves of sandwiches. They're definitely the the TV version of our family. <laughs> <laughs> the version that eats salads and works out. I know. Although Bob and Kevin and, and Jess are skinny. Yeah. It's just us. It's just us. <laughs> that got depressing. I know. <laughs> so maybe they're not the TV version of our family. Maybe our family is uh, almost accurately represented. <laughs> I'm sitting here looking at the number of calories on this Red Bull now. Like, should I have been doing <laughs> All I had today was quiche. And it wasn't that bad. It was, oh, I guess it was kind of bad. It had some, it had smoked Gouda. It had um, part skim mozzarella. Mm -hmm. And it had red onions. And cubed prosciutto. <clears throat> I mean, that sounds delicious. <laughs> I, and I, I even tried to lower the fat content by, instead of using half and half, because, mm -hmm. have you ever made quiche? Yeah. So, you know, it's like you add half and half to eggs and that's what makes the eggy, the like light whippy 
filling. Batter, if you will. The batter. Um, Batter, 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 batter. Um, uh, Instead of using half and half, I used evaporated skim milk. Okay. Which which has the thickness that you need, but it's uh, lower in fat content. So I did that, and it was delicious. Why didn't you just use fat-free half and half? I didn't know that was a thing. That is a thing. It's a thing that shouldn't exist, but I guess does exist for that. How can it be fat-free half and half? Isn't the whole point that half of it is... Cream? Cream? Yeah, you would think. (laughs) That sounds weird. I'm going to stick with the evaporated skim milk. That's (laughs) fine. But anyway. But anyway, Kevin, uh, not our Kevin, Kevin, Shirley's Kevin, uh, is getting everyone food. And I think it would have been fun if he had had like... A little tuxedo on, and he was just like a like little cake carrying waiter. a crudite platter. <laughs> a crudite. <laughs> <laughs> shrimp cocktail, shrimp cocktail. Um, yeah, I think I would love to invite Kevin to a wake. Yeah, he's no. he's good people. He's I, a fun guy. He brings his own food. <laughs> he brings his own food. <laughs> Chips, dip. <laughs> he shouts like really damning family secrets at opportune moments. It's great. <laughs> Yes, he does love to fuck up a moment. Yeah, he really um, does. And he's very good at it. He really is. <laughs> he does it twice in one episode, as a matter <laughs> <Yes>. of fact. <laughs> um, but then right after after Hugh, Hugh uh, Kevin um, goes through his little, his well, because Hugh walks in and mm-hmm. Kevin is offering him, you know, uh, shrimp cocktail. A drink or a, a, a snack. Drink, a snack. <laughs> Ham. Uh where the hell is I going? Oh, so Hugh walks into see Nell and obviously becomes overwhelmed. And he's like, Shirley, I need a bathroom. And she's like, down the hall to the left. And so he walks around the corner. And of course, this is the this is the best example of how this episode is iconic, as uh, iconically done in one shot. Um, he walks around the corner and he's suddenly in Hill House. It's kind of like a... A memory. Yeah, there are only two cuts in yes. the whole episode. Yes, uh, uh, which is very interesting because I watched a little. There's a a YouTube like behind the scenes kind of little documentary about how they made this episode, and like there are all kinds of like secret passageways that had to be built into the set so that they could like come and go and get around and having all the having. Olivia be in one spot and then another and walking around because there's that like ghost it's, scene. It's almost like doing a show live. Like yeah. it's almost like doing a live show because the camera's the audience and you have to be where the camera needs you to be at the time it needs you to be there and you can't fuck it up. Exactly. And not, and that that is like even worse because you already have like tell the kids like to get around to this spot but then it's like yeah. but then the cameras and the lights and the rain and the thunder and the bullshit and the you know, <laughs> everything <laughs> everything is just like crazy and hectic so i i personally thought i was like my god i would not want to be the director of this episode with all those like kids moving around i remember at one point there's one point where luke is it luke it's oh no it's nell and i think theo the the kids are yeah. holding hands and the camera goes between them yeah and I was, and then it it spins around and you see them holding hands again and I was like my god like just the nightmare of being like okay four year old here's the choreography yeah. <laughs> that we have to get right the very first time um it just seems like such a, a an awful choreography to try to remember but they did it beautifully 
Yeah, um, no, it looks gorgeous. And Hugh walks around the corner into Hill House, and that's when we see the um, the first flashback of the the second storm because yes. obviously there's one storm during Nell's wake, and then there's the storm that is the first time we see anything really truly paranormal happen to the whole family in Hill House. Yeah, it's the first time sort of everyone's having an experience at the same time. Yeah, and it starts with the falling chandelier. Yes. <laughs> And I have expected Hugh to walk in with a gun and be like, one plus two plus, plus one, one is... <laughs> um, but he didn't, and I was very disappointed. Um, and so all the kids come running down, and they're they're all kind of hanging out in the foyer because that's what you do in a storm. And Olivia... <laughs> she's very strange. Because... Yeah. Most of the time, she's very, like, comforting, lovely mom. But then there are times when she, like... She is clearly cuckoo bananas. She is, like, cocoa for cuckoo poops. She is just <laughs> done. Olivia is out. She is out of the game. She has been pulled. There is no crying in baseball for Olivia. Um, and my note was, Olivia is sometimes very comforting, but her explaining to Nell how close the lightning is is clearly terrifying little Nell and it's and Olivia's like no just count the seconds and she's like one and and she's like okay so it is less than a mile away and it's like yeah that's terrifying Olivia maybe we don't do that also it's the same thing that they do in Poltergeist so I had a moment where I was like did you guys seriously just rip off Poltergeist right now you know it's funny I didn't even realize that until you just said it yeah no huh they do the exact same thing. A little kid is afraid of thunderstorms and it's like you just count the seconds in between the lightning and the thunder huh. to gauge how far away it is. It's like literally it's virtually the same scene, like <laughs> except that the kid isn't in bed in this one. I really, truly didn't even realize that until you just said it. How strange. <clears throat> yeah. So they ripped off Poltergeist, but that was the only point of that. Michael. <laughs> <laughs> how dare you? Um. And they all, they all kind of have this this moment where everyone's afraid and Luke is afraid. And I just wrote that Steve, it, Steve has this like weird moment where he's like talking to little Luke and he's like, I'm a big brother. I wouldn't let anything happen to you. Bah, 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 bah. And I was like, this is the most awful cliche writing that I have ever seen in my entire life. I was like, how fucking stupid. If that was me and Bob, I'd be like, you're on your own, best of luck. Like, I'd be I'd be running out the house and Bob would be like, mm, okay. I, I like, that is not that is not how siblings interact. Yeah, no, I don't think I've ever said, I'm a big sister. It's my job to keep you safe. I don't think I've ever said that once. Never. Ever in my life. Ever. And Jessica certainly never said it to me. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and say that yeah no that was a little bit hackneyed right there. That was just a little bit like um this was written by an only child. Yeah, clearly, definitely. Who had What so- a good word, hackneyed. You? <laughs> you were so taken aback. By that. <laughs> it's an SAT word. Don't you think? Yeah, no, I guess so. Hackneyed. I wonder what the origin of that is. I don't know why I'm so hung up on hackneyed. I don't know, but that is why you call someone a hack if you don't like their... Because of hack knees. Yes. They have bad knees. That's what it all comes down to. (laughs) Their legs were chopped off at the knee. (laughs) Mine should be. I just posted today on Facebook about how uh, I've gotten to the age where the other day, David loves to scare me now. His favorite thing to do is like, wait for me when I'm coming out of the bathroom and like, 
jump out and scare me. So the other day I was trying to sneak into his office in the morning when I woke up uh, because he's usually at work already. And I was trying to like sneak in and like scare him. But I literally couldn't because my knees and ankles would not stop cracking. <laughs> I was like, is that really the age I've come to? The age of crack? <laughs> you need you need to get a job at a haunted house this year. You just shamble down the hall. <laughs> literally. I'm like, help yeah, me. I can't get up. <laughs> I've fallen. Uh, yes. But then we go to, we go back to the, uh, funeral home and they're all yeah. telling lovely stories about Nell as a child and the whole and we get the the puffalope yeah story which sounds like a marshmallow deer it was actually my nickname in college before I lost weight puffalope <laughs> uh it is a funny word though I like the word puffalope I'm going to start using it in my everyday it's fun to say puffalope, puffalope is fun to say it sounds like it should be followed by woozles yes it does puffalopes and woozles they really <laughs> confuse us um yes we get the puffalope story and that was literally my only note about it is that yeah it's, it's, puffalope is just a funny word it's it's a, it's a cute little story about how like little kids make up words although it is interesting because it does kind of it is kind of used to, I think, to put Steve in his place because and and surely a bit, too, because they're like, well, you don't even have any recollection of mom, do you? And they're like, no, no, no. And uh, and Hugh is like, well, she got that word from your mom. Yeah. Ba, 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 ba. Uh, and, he, and she clearly was using it when they were like 10 living with their aunt. Yeah. Whatever. Janet. Janet. Yeah. Aunt Janet. Uh, so, and Janet's kind of a uh stickler stickler <laughs> yeah i think stickler is probably the best word um she is harsh she is way <laughs> harsh ty and uh so I, I think it's nice that we're kind of seeing hugh start to fight back a little bit with steve because steve yeah. is an annoying piece of shit yes yeah, so um, he's being kind of an asshole in this episode. he's just like, such a douchebag about everything like it's clear he's having like a grief response mm -hmm. and he has a lot of anger toward his dad mm -hmm. like to, to to put on our armchair psychiatrist hat for a minute <laughs> like i don't think that the anger is necessarily unjustified but like the timing and the tone of it it's are just, just like you are an asshole i know like this guy standing five feet from his dead daughter. Like maybe not. Like maybe, maybe this not isn't the right moment. now. I know. Like, and you know that's something I always think about because then I think, well, I'm sure I've had irrational responses to grief, where like, or or to any kind of triggering moment where like I have been probably crueler than I needed to be. But then I'm like, I, I really can't think of a specific instance where I did something like that. And I'm like, maybe I'm just an introspective enough person that I can put my emotions into their context. Maybe. I mean, I think I have a tendency, I know when I'm in a situation like this to kind of swallow my emotions completely. Mm. So like, I don't get cutting or cruel to anyone because I'm not feeling anything. <laughs> like, Because <laughs> I just turn my emotions off. Oh, good. And I swallow them and they go down into the pit of my stomach and then someday I die. <laughs> That's very healthy. Good for you. Thank you, John Mulaney. Um, my next note is that when Hugh is, tell, is telling everyone the stories of like Nell as a... Did I say Nell? 
Yes, you said no. When Hugh is telling everyone the story of, of Nell as a child, like, writing her letters to Santa, I was like, Nell basically came out of the womb as, like, an administrative assistant. <laughs> she was just, like, the goody two-shoes, <laughs> most, like, obnoxious. That story actually made me hate her a little bit. Like, it's supposed like, to have the exact opposite effect. Yeah. Of, like, who's this sanctimonious little <laughs> five-year-old? Mother like, Teresa at Hill like, House. Mother, I don't want anything for myself, but please get Stephen his typewriter. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. I shan't be needing the chemotherapy, but surely could really use a camera. <laughs> Like, like, shut up, Tiny Tim. Like, what I the know, hell? Like, I know. God like, bullshit. Us. You want a Barbie dream house and you'll like it. <laughs> like. And it's like, uh, that's something that kind of pisses me off is I feel like a lot of times in movies and TV, they try to make a kid seem more wise or like beyond their years by giving them these moments where they're like, oh, you know, Nell didn't want any toys. She just wanted you to have everything you ever wanted. And it's like, shut the fuck up. Nell wanted uh, toys. Like, yeah, she, she was a she kid. Was six. She was a kid and she wanted toys. Every kid wants toys. Even the good kids. <laughs> and I don't disbelieve that they might also, like... Want things, want for, their things for their siblings. Like, like that would be fine. But she, she but definitely to be wrote like, that she letter. She never asked for anything for herself. Yeah, it's like shut the fuck it's up. It's like she did fucking too. She was a six year old. She's running entirely <laughs> off of id. Like we're talking about people so small that when they see a crayon and go, I think I could fit that up my nose, they do it. They do it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, I wonder what this feels like in my ear. Like she has not learned altruism at the age where she's sticking Crayola up her fucking nose. <laughs> I know. Like that's not a. Like adults aren't capable of that, and we know we're supposed to do shit. Like I know that. these are like these are literally the little people who stick forks in electric. We can't buckets. even get grown people to wear fucking masks so they don't infect other people. <laughs> Meanwhile, little Nell is over here going like, "I don't need Grand Champions ponies. I only want Stephen to have his his typewriter. That's all <laughs> I need out of life is for Stephen to be happy." And also, weren't they supposed to be growing up in like the eighties? Yeah, I think it's supposed to be like the late eighties. If it's the late 80s, did he would he have wanted a typewriter? Yes, because word processors and computers weren't widely available at that point. Mm. Like not most people didn't have a computer in their house at that point. Most not even an IBM. No, most people still had electric <laughs> typewriters and, and all that kind of nonsense. Well, fuck them. Um I don't know why I'm, I feel very aggressive today. Yeah. I feel very... Uh, we just, like, ripped into a fictional six-year-old. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and fuck that, fic- <laughs> that fictional six-year-old. That's, that's a tongue We're twister. We're cynical, terrible people. This is, this fuck that fictional down. six-year-old is a tongue twister. I dare any of you to say it ten times fast. Not in front in, of a police in, officer. I was just about to say in front of a parole officer. <laughs> but um but Um... I, I also love the moment because now we're getting into the the meat and potatoes of this episode and we get to when Shirley is having like her mental fucking breakdown and she's a bit dramatic <laughs> and <clears throat> she's she starts yelling at Steve because Steve is going after Hugh yeah. and she starts yelling at, at Steve and she's like, you two are drunk. F- uh, fine. Theo is drunk. 
and, and you just see Theo in the background like, what the fuck? Like, what did I do? She's literally like dead quiet, hanging out in the doorway, drinking her stoli. And Theo's like, fine. Theo, or uh, Shirley's like, fine. Theo is drunk. And Theo's like, oh. <laughs> like, what? How did I get to be the one? And that was one of my favorite Theo moments because then Theo comes in and she's like, I'm not that drunk. And falls (laughs) off the couch. (laughs) And screams, fuck. Fuck. Because she hits her head on the wall. Um, And Theo in this moment is my favorite person (laughs) there. Because she does not realize that she's the comedic relief. Yeah. (laughs) And the fall... As, as Pratt Falls Go is not, like, the most exceptionally executed. So it's, like, a little bit funnier even. <laughs> because you can see that she was, like, allowing herself to fall off the couch. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this is perfect. This should be studied. <laughs> especially Theo. Theo should especially be studied. Um. And then Shirley goes on her dramatic tirade about the money. About the money from the book, yeah. And that's when... And that's when... (laughs) First Theo and then Kevin just ruin Shirley's fucking life. (laughs) In two seconds consecutively. Well, guess what? (laughs) Because Theo, who has gotten up off the floor... Yes, very slowly. Screaming, don't touch me. (laughs) Don't touch me! Don't touch me! She's like, uh... Uh, Sally Field in Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. I have to go. We have to leave now. I have to go. Don't touch me. <laughs> um, yes, she gets up off the floor and ruins Shirley's entire life when she tells her that she took the money <laughs> from uh, from Stephen. And Shirley very undramatically tells her to get the fuck out of her house. Yeah. <laughs> and then Kevin's like, I took the money. And she's like, I can't look at you. And it's like, bitch, you've been giving away caskets like they were fucking popcorn. <laughs> Where did you think this money was coming from? <laughs> Shirley is a bit delusional. She's a bit delusional. She's also a bit self-righteous in a, in a, in a way yes. that like, we were just making fun of six-year-old Noah. I feel like we have to make fun of Shirley for, for just a second here. I know. It's like it's like Cheryl, you need to calm the fuck down. And Kevin is absolutely right in what he says to her. He's yeah. like, "We took that money and we we gave it to people who needed it to have closure, to have these you know better <laughs> moments for their their loved ones, so that they weren't getting like." you know, naughty pine caskets. Like they got nice funerals and he's like, I took that money and I gave it to you. I I used it for you. I used it for the things you wanted. I will stand up for Shirley in this one instance because the problem isn't even really that he took it. It's that he didn't tell Tell her. her. Yeah. And it is dishonest and I will give her that. And having a secret bank account that your wife doesn't know about (laughs) is just generally not a good idea. You know, (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if one day David told me he had a secret bank account. And he'd be right too because I I am not good with money. But... (laughs) I wouldn't blame him if he told uh, David could keep a secret bank account. I wouldn't be that upset. I don't think that I would necessarily be upset if Sarah had one either, because I also cannot be trusted. (laughs) But like (laughs) at the same time, like it's one of those things. Like I want to know that it exists. Just never let me near the checkbook. Yeah, I know my strengths. I know my weaknesses. Just don't let don't let me get my hands on the debit card. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and then after all of this, uh. We kind of go into the 
the scares in, in Hill House. Yes. We get to, you know, the wolf or whatever the kids see in the house. And Olivia goes upstairs looking for Nell because she has mysteriously disappeared. Um, and basically, Olivia goes upstairs. She closes the flue on that chimney in yeah. that one room and runs into the old lady. And this is when we start to see that Olivia... Also sees shit. Also sees shit in the house. And it's not just the kids that she is also having these weird experiences. And she goes and she opens the door and there's that kid in the wheelchair and the old timey clothes. Yeah. And And his his Argyle socks. Yeah. yeah, My only note was get out of that kid's way, Olivia. He has to go (laughs) run through Rose Byrne's house. He does. He looks like the kid from Insidious. For he those does. Who didn't get the joke. Yes. He <laughs> looks like the little kid who dances to tiptoe through, through the to their lips. With me. Oh, God. Um, and Fucking Tiny Tim. My final note on this entire episode was, oh, good. More Nightmare Factory shit. Because yeah. basically what it comes down to is Nell was there the whole time and just no one could see her. Yeah. And... Then we keep seeing the images of the bent neck lady and them kind of trying to reach her in the funeral home and uh, all of that shit. And it's like kind of this very meta ending to the episode where it's like that was Nell's whole existence was that she was there, but no one saw her. And that is now where she is in the afterlife and she's kind of being tortured by it. It's like the whole family is together again and Nell is there, but no one can see her. Yeah. No, it's indescribably sad yeah (laughs) as is the end of every episode in this fucking series seriously um but before we rush off of this episode we should note that shirley well nell falls off the table yeah (laughs) um in the physical sense Yes. In the physical sense, Nell's her body her body launches itself from the table. To stop an argument. To stop an argument. And Shirley goes downstairs to get her makeup kit because obviously Nell fucked up her face. And um, <laughs> I'm glad that that tickled you. Sam was literally in the, in the middle of taking a sip of Red Bull when I said that. And I almost uh, got her to spit it out. I'm fine. Continue. And... Cheryl goes downstairs. I, I also love that they call her Cheryl because it sounds like Cheryl. And, it, and like, Cheryl, Cheryl. Um, Cheryl goes downstairs to get her makeup kit and finds Theo in the closet with her husband. Even though everyone knows Theo is a lesbian, this whole moment is odd to me. Yeah, it was kind of honestly unnecessary. Like, I don't think it had to be there. Like, you already yeah. had the thing with the checkbook. Like, even insinuating that they might have like had a moment isn't necessary especially since we find out very shortly spoiler alert that obviously nothing happened uh, obvi- because she's what a lesbian <laughs> because she's yeah exactly so, so it's, and it's like, like and also not a monster like <laughs> like if i saw you in a closet with david i'd be like what are you guys doing yeah <laughs> i wouldn't like, be like were you fucking <laughs> like it is beyond the realm of of possibility to me <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of the thing it's like i feel like if i saw you in a closet with sarah it would be like you guys are doing some kind of weird drugs like drugs <laughs> like, what, what is, so it's like so some kind of weird performance art like what, what the fuck are you doing and then we get into come and meet these dancing feet um yes so that is that is the whole episode essentially yep essentially i mean there's obviously more to it but you should watch it yourselves and and enjoy it for yourselves. Um, 
that said, I did really enjoy this episode. I think it's very creatively done. It's well shot. I kind of love this episode and not a whole lot happens in it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like it's not a it's not a very plot driven episode. It's very character driven. But I think that's kind of the fun of it. And that's I think that's the point of it is that we're seeing how these people collectively respond to things and how, you know, now we've done all of the individual, like, this is who Theo, excuse me, this is who Theo is, this is who Nell is, this is, I'm fucking dying right now, I'm floating. (laughs) The quiche is making a getaway. Um, We see how they are individually, and then we see how they operate in their family dynamic. Does that make sense? And also under, like, intense stress. Well, I th- but I think that's kind of the point is that their family is often under <laughs> intense stress. So being part of this family is inherently stressful. <laughs> yeah. I, and I, that's what I think it's supposed to be is like, this is how this puzzle piece fits into the the overall puzzle. And I think that's what this episode is meant to do. And also here's a golden hour of Theo being drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and falling. <laughs> um. So that's it. We're happy to be back. We hope you missed us. And uh, that's it for Two Storms. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. If you did, please let us know. And let us know also, what was I asking about in the beginning of the episode? Um, oh, if you, if cope you guys with, cope with humor. If you cope with humor, because that is obviously something we've talked very extensively about on this podcast. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope you enjoyed the episode of Haunting of Hill House. And we will be back on Thursday for more uh, my spooky gay family. So until next time, stay spooky and remember. That's why none of us ever took your Surely. fucking money, Steve. Cut it out. And you're fucking drunk. But we're supposed to be honoring Nellie. Real class act, Theo. No, no, no. you don't know. You don't know what I felt. And you don't know what I feel. And I am allowed to process that any way that I want to. You don't just stand there and dictate how we all grieve our dead... My Spooky Gay Family features music by Nate Walker, artwork by David Elon, and this episode contains clips from The Haunting of Hill House, distributed by Netflix 2018. Please subscribe on iTunes, leave us a nice message, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. My Spooky Gay Family is a product of Barbara Duel Productions. Thank you.